1: All right, Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wagner Front and center this hour. What the Apple and Amazon misses mean to the record run for stocks. Whether both names are a buy on today's dip, we'll ask the investment committee, of course. Joining me for the hour today, Kerry Firestone, Shannon Sakosha, Jim Labenthal, and Pete Najarian. He's the co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Let's check stocks. They are wrapping up their best October since 2015. Dow's positive S&P was positive, slightly knocking on the door yet again. NASDAQ was the loser, coming off its lowest levels. There's the Russell yield on the 10-years, 156. Pete, the story of the day so far is the comeback. I mean, that's how I see it. Yeah. Market basically brushing Absolutely. off what it got from Apple and Amazon. Even those two stocks are, are off of their worst levels.
2: Yeah, I think that's really impressive, quite honestly. I mean, we never got that huge spike that you might expect in in the VIX either, Scott. I mean, when you look at... Two monster names coming out and some of the disappointments that were there, and yet you don't see that huge spike in volatility. You don't see a lot of overly, overly concerned trading going on, and then suddenly we start to see at least a comeback in in Apple, for sure, off of the lows of the day. So a lot of interesting movement that we've seen, but I actually expected Apple to make some sort of a move uh, maybe back towards the upside. You know, yesterday we erased some of that big jump that the stock had yesterday with with this morning's and then some, but it's just started to rally right back towards those those numbers once again so it's not that terribly far off of its all-time highs i still think that apple i i actually read the quarter differently than most i actually thought the quarter was much better than most people interpreted it to be so i think there's a lot of reasons to still be very bullish on apple
1: yeah i don't know i mean kramer said it was an amazing quarter those were those were the words he used and we can get to that in a minute but carrie i mean the great miscalculation from the the naysayers if you will has been the willingness of people to buy the dip. And that narrative has changed because when the market's gone down of late, the buyers come in and they're doing it again.
3: Yeah, exactly. If you go back to the beginning of October, the Nasdaq at one point was down 8% and it came right back and we've been hitting new highs. Everyone knows that there are supply chain problems. And that's what's going on with the Slight miss, 1% miss on Amazon's top line, a little miss on Apple. But when you think about the total disruption in the world system of delivering things and having factories open, this really isn't a lot of a mess. Apple's sales are running at a pace that exceeds a combination of the pharmaceutical industry plus all footwear sold in the United States. I mean, these are tremendous numbers. And Amazon is investing heavily in producing the product that they can deliver for the holiday season. So, yes, a disappointment. The stocks reflected. Do we take these stocks down 10 percent, 15 percent? No, there are buyers in there, as you say. And every time they get an opportunity, they do purchase stock.
1: So terrific numbers. That's what Kerry said about Apple. I saw it differently than the naysayers said, Pete. Yet I don't have anybody on my panel today coming in and buying the stock. If this was such a gift for investors, Shannon, where is everybody? Where are you guys at? I, I, I go down my list. It says, Shannon, not making any changes today. Carrie, not adding to it today. Jim, I'm not doing anything today. Pete, not doing anything Amazon. with the position today. Why not? Why I, not? I,
4: <laughs> well, we already trimmed our Apple position back in December. And so we're about halfway to the market. And our view was that we are going to see this longer replacement cycle. And certainly the, the supply chain concerns, I think everybody knew about, um, but there is concern for Apple that these could extend into mid-2022. The services story is really still the story. Here, services were up almost 26%. Um, but you need to be growing your installed base in order to monetize that services growth. And so for us, you know, I think there's a few more quarters here where we get some uncertainty in terms of you know the ability of Apple to meet end demand. Um, I think it deserves a place in your portfolio which is why we're not selling it. Um, but I, you know, I would say I'm more optimistic on some of the other Fang names or the magma names or whatever we're calling them now um but i think that you know if you don't hold apple in your portfolio you could initiate a small position but this isn't the end of the road for these supply chain concerns for apple over the next couple of quarters um so on a longer term basis absolutely you should have it in your portfolio but we're halfway for a reason and we trimmed it back in december as a result of that
1: jim why shouldn't you be adding to it today i mean yes we know it's going to get worse tim cook told us as much last night but if you're bullish the stock and you saw the stock moving towards its high and you personally still have a view that it's going to be around 160 or so or north of that by the end of the year you just got a four percent gift to buy the stock why did not you jump on that so
5: OK, so you know, when you talk about me specifically, remember that in February and March, I was loading up on a trading batch of shares in the low 120s. OK, that's up about 20%. And my, my thesis on that is that I'll probably be out of those trading shares by the end of the year above 160. And I think you will reach a new high this year. I'll come back to that in one second. If you don't already have that trading share lot on your core position, today is the day to buy it. As for me, I already have it, Scott. So I'm already loaded on this. The stock is about six, five percent from its all time high. Forgive me. I want you to um, explain one, this. To, I want you co- to
1: explain this. Forgive me. Forgive me for interrupting you. I want you. I go, want go. you to explain to, yep. to viewers what you're talking about. You're talking about a trading lot okay. within an investment lot. I mean, what, what, what? No, this is Give me easy more to specifics understand. on that And please. you know what?
5: Yeah, this this so is very similar. I believe Jimmy Kramer has the same has the same thought of this, That's fine. which I'm not is not criticizing. want to have a core position in
1: Apple. I'm not criticizing
5: no, 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 in way, anyway, Say perform. I just want to know a core what you're talking position. About. You want to have a core position in Apple, okay, it's six percent of the overall index. If you don't have a core position, you're basically shorting Apple versus the market. I have my core position, but there are times where it gets ridiculously cheap, times where it gets expensive. It got ridiculously cheap earlier this year, and that's where I said, my core position stays where it is. I'm going to add some extra shares at 120, 122, with the idea of taking them off 160 to 170. When it gets above 160, those trading shares will come out. And I suspect that will be this year. And I will maintain my core position, which I've had going back, I think, to 2013. And by, and by the way. And which will probably remain for the next few years. I
1: don't think, you know, Kramer's got 47 different tranches of Apple stock. I mean, he, he's the one who comes on and says, own it, don't trade it. I don't think he's trading around his position now. I mean, I, I don't know what he's doing on a day-to-day basis, and so hey, look, far be it me what, to Scott, for let me to try to speak me, for him because he's not let, sitting here right now.
5: Let, let me let me be more helpful here. Let me be more helpful here because it doesn't. You know, whoever's doing what doesn't matter. Here's the most important thing. Apple has bought back fully 25% of its shares over the last six years. And they are continuing to generate the cash flow to continue to do that. So this is Warren Buffett's mentality. It's my mentality on the core position as well, which is to say you are owning an ever-increasing concentrated share of earnings that will continue to grow. They continue to buy back those shares. You're a bigger owner just with what you hold. That's more important than who's got
1: a trading position or who doesn't. Well, I mean, the, the street is out. Overwhelmingly uh, backing the stock up, Pete. Morgan Stanley, Katie Huberty, your favorite analyst, reiterates overweight. Though she did cut the price target to 164. She did from 166. JP Morgan Mm -hmm. overweight reiterates. Just assume I'm reiterating all these overweight. Piper Sandler 180, 175 respectively on the price target. UBS 175 is is the price target there. There anything to be concerned about for the longer term out of this quarter, Pete, or is that just trying to trying to find something out of nothing.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's probably more likely. But I think that the reality is we do know that the supply chain is a bit of an issue. And regardless of that, you take a look at what they actually put up, Scott, and you already hit on it, but I think the reality is when you put up a record quarter for revenue and you're also dealing with supply constraint, uh, constraints, I think that's a major issue um, that, that's amazing that Apple still was able to produce what they did. And when you look down the line and you look at mm-hmm. iPad and you look at some of the different categories – they absolutely knocked it out, and, and so when you look at services up twenty six percent absolutely extraordinary. How do you get revenues to get up that percentage as well? I mean, across the board, they did extremely well, despite the fact that they 've got these supply constraints. so I think looking forward that 's probably what holds me back. You asked why didn 't we buy stock why didn 't we add to our position? I was thinking about it, I was debating it, but My one issue is look at the results today. So basically we're looking at a stock that's essentially flat for the week. I think we started off the week right around 148. Here we are at the end of the week after an up and down, uh, up yesterday, down today, right around 148. I think that's kind of what apple is right now i think it's kind of a wait and see kind of a a issue that we're dealing with here i still love the stock if it dipped significantly i would buy it but it didn't dip significantly today it was down a couple of percent that's it three or four percent at the most so i think there will be opportunities probably to buy apple at a much more of a discount rate at some point but it's not today okay yeah i mean i
1: don't know maybe today is the statement day that just says it's not going to go lower It's not going to give you that chance. I I don't know. Uh, Carrie, when you look at at Apple versus Amazon, you actually added to Amazon today instead of adding to Apple. Why did you do that?
3: Uh, Well, I think there are two reasons. One is that if you look at the near term, and we know that the holiday season is coming uh, up now, soon in a week, and Amazon is making every commitment they can to ensure that there's going to be delivery to customers and not snags and supply chain problems. And they talked about that on the call. Yeah, but there's nothing they, they also can do. are big in the cloud.
1: Right? I mean, they can't. Well, supply chain I issues are supply chain of, issues, I mean, right? I mean, they got labor cost issues. That, that you know, They even mentioned steel. I mean, they have a whole host of issues, which is why Kramer today says Apple's much better than Amazon in terms of where they are right now and the headwinds that each are currently facing.
3: Well, I think what Jim is saying is that because Apple is dominant in the phone space and they have a new phone out there, that they're going to continue to see that steady growth that comes with sales of iPhones and services. But what Amazon has is the advantage of being the largest in their vertical. Also, when you think about retail and the holiday season, there is nobody that can compete with Amazon for getting ships and dock spots and all of the um, minutiae that goes into supplying to the customers. No one can compete with, with Amazon. I think that's clear. And that's what they're investing in right now. And we think that given the underperformance, big underperformance of Amazon since February, there's upside to the stock over the next six months where there isn't that same upside in the near term for Apple. So we're adding to Amazon. We have a four plus percent weight in Apple. We don't feel that requires more of a commitment, but we do like what we're seeing with the price of Amazon right here and would be adding. And the cloud is also very much in their favor.
1: And then, Pete, there is MSFT, the new biggest company by market cap on planet Earth, two and a half trillion dollars, just shy of that, rounding up a little bit. New high today. Stock currently up 1%, 329.52 was the high of the day. I repeat the question I asked a couple days ago when I think I had you call in or Zoom in or Skype in or whatever you did to come in. Um, Is this now the (laughs) best bang to own right now? Yes.
2: Yes is the answer it's really easy I think because when you look (laughs) at it there were no excuses when you look at Microsoft no excuses all they did was perform and they performed in every single category whether you want to look at gaming cloud whatever you want to look at Microsoft absolutely hit a home run, and they continue to grow themselves into all kinds of different areas, and the growth rate, even in the security solutions category that we rarely talk about, that was up 50% year over year. They absolutely hit a home run, and I can tell you this, Scott, too, we didn't get a chance to talk about this the other day on Wednesday when I called in, but um, the options in there continue to be bought looking for upside, even... On Wednesday, after we'd gotten those numbers and we were looking at a stock that was running to the upside, they were still buying calls. They were still buying options to the upside, expecting even more. Matter of fact, going out to next week's three thirty strike calls, they were buying those. They were buying this week's expiring uh, uh, three twenty calls, and they have done extremely well with those. They only bought thirty two thousand of those, so whoever they is had a really, really nice trade going there. So. I I continue to look at this name and they are hitting on all cylinders and they aren't slowing down. They're accelerating to the upside. So when I look across at Microsoft versus an Apple right now, Apple's just fine. I'm not worried about Apple, but they've got some some reasons why they're probably going to be constrained for a while. And I don't expect to see a huge spike. Microsoft, on the other hand, has room to run. And I think that they will continue to run to the upside. And that's what the options are telling us as well. Right, Jim,
1: pharma Jim, because You own Microsoft, too. Microsoft's like, what supply chain problems are you talking about? Because we're not really, we don't (laughs) have to deal with that.
5: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I wanted to, sorry, I wanted you to finish the sentence. If you're Microsoft, if you're Google, you're not making physical things that require components to be shipped from continent to continent. So that's why they're killing it right now. And probably that lasts for the near term future. But, you know, what's weighing over the markets overall, and you see it in Apple today, is, is the supply chain shortages. And anybody that's making something, doesn't matter whether it's smartphones or cars, is feeling the effect. So you have to ask yourself, as an investor, how long will it last? The answer to that question is not knowable right now, but I'm going to tell you, I don't think this is something that's going to last two years. I think it's going to be cleared up over the next two to six months. And remember, the market's going to anticipate this. So the slightest whiff of supply chain bottlenecks easing and those stocks that are manufacturing things, including Apple, including Apple, are going to start roaring. But for the next week or two, yeah, Microsoft, Google, they're not making physical things. God bless them. They're going to do great.
1: Let's mark something rather significant. The S&P 500 hitting 4,600 for the very first time ever. Uh, And that tells a great story about the resiliency of the stock market itself, that if I would have told you coming into this week that Apple and Amazon are going to significantly miss their earnings reports, and yet on that very same after day in the reaction to those earnings, the S&P would hit 4,600, a new record high, you probably would have said, you're crazy. Well, that's what you got, because the market has come back. It's just off of that level right now, but trust me, it did touch that. A new record high for the S&P 500. On that note, let's bring in Brian Belsky. He is BMO Chief Investment Strategist. Uh, Good day to have you, Mr. Belsky. Welcome back. I mean, the resiliency of this market. I don't know what more you can say.
6: Your Honor, thanks for having us. I think resiliency uh, is the word for the day, and it's the word for 2020 and 2021. And I think for 2022, it's going to be consistency, consistency of earnings and consistency of fundamentals. I mean, we've been saying for several months now that the market is transitioning to more of an earnings-driven, fundamentally-based market. And with that, Scott, returns become a little bit more volatile, which we've seen, uh, but they remain consistent in terms of their upward pressure. So, again, we remain very, very uh, comfortable with our 4,800 target for year-end. We'll be publishing our year-ahead within for 2022 within the next month or so. And we don't see any change uh, in our overall attitude. I think... The return structure of stocks, quite frankly, may look a little different in 2022, but I don't want to put the cart in front of the uh, horse here.
1: So nothing matters, really, to the market? I mean, seasonality is good, earnings are good enough. What's the potential thing that knocks you off the horse?
6: Well, I think maybe a misstep from the Fed and how they're communicating. I mean, if we want information right away in the society and right away in this business, Scott, and... With respect to how they're positioning the taper and when ultimately they're going to raise rates, you've seen such a a reactionary trading environment, especially within tech, which we've been fighting against in our work with respect to our published analysis. And we've been trying to talk investors off the ledge from selling tech. But I think what's happened, especially last night when you heard and listened to uh, the conference calls, the supply chain blame game is in full effect which really sets up another under-promise, over-deliver type of, of scenario. But bottom line is the way that Apple and Amazon in particular were able to actually put up the numbers that they did are unbelievable. And we've owned Apple in our Hallmark uh, portfolio that we've run now for over nine years in BMO consecutively for 112 months, and I don't see any reason to sell it. And in fact, it's giving you an opportunity to really be that Active investor, Scott, maintaining a core position of 4%, and when it goes down, you just add to it. That's how I would play these games.
1: I know, but that's kind of a backdoor way of saying, yeah, I mean, I've got Apple, and, mm-hmm. I, you know, I like tech, but I don't love it because it's market weight in your in your portfolio. Why don't you have it as overweight? You can't have it one way and not the other.
6: Great question. Uh, if you take tech, and we kind of look at tech and communication services the same way. Remember, they broke up up many of these communication services names out of technology. And I think there could be a potential positive for technology with respect to its market weight, Uh, Scott, going forward when Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal leave the sector. I think that has not been talked about enough, number one. Number two, if you take tech and communication services together, it's 40% of your portfolio. And to me, that's that's really, really good. And I, I love that number 40% especially given that tech and communication services are our favorite sectors for the next three to five years, because I think that's where the growth in the economy is. And actually, I think technology is deflationary. Yep, I said it, deflationary. And so from a secular basis, we'll continue to be very, very bullish longer term. But it really speaks to why you should be a stock picker and not buying ETFs, especially when it comes to technology. No,
1: I know. But okay. well, but you finished it by saying I was going to say, well, you know, you love the financials, financials, financials. But then you said, well, especially when it comes to technology. So buying ETFs and financials is okay because you still love that group?
6: Well, uh, no, actually, uh, from a from an ETF perspective and from a thematic perspective for financials, scale has been our theme for years and it continues. And oh, by the way, it's working. So you look at scalable assets within financials, our asset managers, broker dealers, money center banks. I think given the, the, real, the interest rate scenario, which, well, by the way, is going to continue to be low relative to history, it's harder for regional banks to make money. So that's why we love the big money center banks uh, in the United States, and for that matter, the five big Canadian banks in Canada, because they act very similar to JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Goldman, um, and Bank of America.
1: And the other issue that was maybe going to be a headwind for the market was the, the Biden agenda, which looks to be watered from the, you know, a, a, quote unquote, worst possible thing that that, you know, people in the market would would want. That's a, you know, a massive spending program, which could be even more inflationary than than you already have. Um, and a more punitive, if you will, tax structure that could be more punitive than people thought, um, you know, actually would, was going to come to fruition now.
6: One hundred percent. And if you go back and look at what happened in 2020 and into 2021, everyone was worried about the blue wave hitting. And we've had to come out once again during that time frame after the election, first off. And then once the blue wave became an actuality and really reinforce that politics have nothing to do with the absolute performance of the stock market. It can either enhance or detract clearly uh, with the agenda not pushing through as much as they thought. Now we have a midterm election next year. We're going to start talking more about that with respect to its impact. But I think it's good uh, that they weren't unable to do all of these things. Because remember, we're a free market and free open society with respect to being a capitalist here in the United States. And I think growth is what, in companies is what really matters. And it just reinforces that again. Uh, we have the best companies in the world, and I think they're going to benefit from less regis- uh, um, regulation, less taxes and the like.
1: What happens if the Fed doesn't make an error, as, as you uh, suggest, but rates still move higher? Doesn't that in and of itself compress the multiple of the market?
6: It's a great question. And look what happened at the tails of this year, Scott, right? So the first quarter you had what the bond yield did, and then recently when you've seen the 10-year Treasury uh, everyone's going to be spooked by the bond market. Remember, have been in a 40-year bull market in bonds. They've got the power. They've got the money. I just think that we're going to probably be a little bit lower for longer than everybody thinks. And I go back to 2012-13, and I held ourselves accountable and looked at our work, and we were calling for the Fed to be more aggressive then, and they didn't even do anything until 2014. So I think this is going to take longer than most people think, so just be patient.
1: Pete Nigerian, you got something for Belsky? Aren't you guys like Minnesota guys together?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're brothers, man. We're brothers. And, and we both have places down in Florida. Um, so, Brian, right now, if you had to just pick one sector, though, I, I know you're, you're all over the map. You've got financials, you've got technology, you've got all these different things. Is there one specific sector where you say, you know what, this one sector is absolutely going to stand out? This is a question that Scott and the gang from CNBC asked all of us going into the second half of the year. So I'm asking you the same question.
6: Well, you're going to be surprised, but I think it's materials uh, because you've seen what's happened in Freeport, MacBurin, and some of the steel stocks and some of the chemical stocks. And plus, you're you're also talking, Pete, about a 3% sector in the market where if you're a tracking air portfolio manager, I think that's where you can really make a lot of, hey, remember, this is a sector that's underperformed. And I do think we're going to see a manufacturing renaissance in 2022. We're going to continue, I'm sorry, to make battery-powered cars. I think that's the theme. So Freeport, MacBurin would be my pick to click in terms of taking advantage of that. That. And I just think that's going to be a place over the next six months that people have been underinvested. We could really see a nice pop.
1: Hey, Brian, I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to let you run. You have a good weekend. Uh, great time to have you with the S&P hitting 4,600 for the first time ever. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right, that's BMO's Brian Belsky. The other story I wanted to get to before we go, and I sort of jumped ahead, uh, Pete, because we did hit 4,600. And another new record on the S&P was this Facebook name change um, to Meta, as everybody mm-hmm. knows now. You bought more <laughs> Facebook calls?
2: Yeah, you know, and I and I like what we're seeing here, Scott, because they, they're getting aggressive again looking to the upside. You know, for a while there, we weren't seeing that. It, it just completely fell off. Stock obviously had a big tumble down towards that 315 level. Now it's starting to make a little bit of a move to the upside, but they bought... Almost 15,000 of the next week's November calls, the 325 calls, 15,000 of those. So that was pretty aggressive buying. That actually makes me get very interested again that maybe this is a stock that can start moving again back to the upside rather than having as much pressure on it as it has. It made a nice move already this morning. It's starting to ease back a little bit. We'll have to see over the next couple of days as we get into next week what this stock's really going to be able to do. I don't think it's about the name change, though, Scott. I think it's about the direction in which Zuckerberg is directing this company and this pivot that they're making right now from Facebook into the metaverse itself.
1: I know, but I mean, I get it. Everybody's excited about what the metaverse can be. But, I mean, I think the the way people are talking about this, there's still Facebook. The the core business is the core business. Let's not kid ourselves. No no doubt. Philip Morris became Altria. They sold cigarettes at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know we're trying yeah. to think of what, what's going yeah, to be there 10 years from now or five years from now or whatever with, with the metaverse. But, I mean, let's not act like it's just a different company today than it was t- yesterday.
2: I completely agree with you. I just think it's the pivot to the direction that they want to move. And I don't think it has anything to do with the name change whatsoever. Uh, you're exactly right, Scott. I mean, r- regardless of what the name is, people will still refer to it as Facebook. We still call Alphabet Google. So I, you know, we get used to certain names. We're going to call it by certain names. We know it's virtually the same company still that it once was, although the direction, I believe, is getting moved. And that pivot point is starting now where he is absolutely, he being Zuckerberg, is absolutely. Absolutely focused, dead focused on money and how much they want to spend and move themselves in that direction. So I think they are extremely committed to the next move. Not that they're changing Facebook, but the next move for Facebook in terms of direction and verticals going forward. All right. All
1: right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about Starbucks. It's selling off big time today after missing its revenue estimates. and A bunch of price targets have been cut as well. We have ownership on the committee. We'll talk about all of that next.
7: Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon. And here is our CNBC News update at this hour. Trump critic and Republican representative Adam Kinzinger will not seek reelection. Kinzinger is one of two Republicans on the congressional panel investigating the January 6th insurrection on Capitol Hill. He joins a small but growing list of Republican Trump critics and Congress deciding to bow out. Federal regulators are asking transit agencies across the country to conduct inspections in the wake of the Washington, D.C. subway derailment. Inspections and repairs of rail cars in Washington are forcing sharply reduced service through at least November 15th. A judge says that Louisiana's biggest health system cannot fire or discipline workers who refuse to get their COVID shots. He says that Oxner Health must wait until the legality of its Vax mandate is decided. Oxnard workers had faced a deadline today to show proof of vaccination. And on the news tonight, vaccine deadlines in New York City and Los Angeles and the latest on challenges by workers refusing vaccination. That's tonight at 7 Eastern. Scott, you're now up to date. I'll send it back to you.
1: Right for help. Appreciate that very much. Thank you. Let's talk about the stock market once again, because the Nasdaq joins the party today, just hits a record high joining the S&P 500, which is now trading about three and a half points above 4,600, hitting that milestone just a few moments ago as well. Nice turnaround for stocks, especially after Apple and Amazon weighed on the market earlier. Those stocks have come off their worst level. It's helped the overall market, too. Let's talk about Starbucks because that stock is lower. All right, Jim, coming off earnings, big revenue miss, (laughs) right? Uh, What now? Because you've got Steeple downgrading the stock to hold from buy. The price target goes to 112 from 130. Morgan Stanley cuts the target. Wells Fargo cuts the target. Cowan, Wedbush, Barclays, Oppenheimer, Credit Suisse cuts the target. What about Labenthal, Labenthal, and Labenthal?
5: Uh, uh, thank you for, for giving me two brothers I didn't know I had. Um, listen, I don't Capital. think you supposed to step in and buy to buy the that? stock here. Farmer Jim think- Capital.
1: Huh? Farmer Jim Capital. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I do like that. But now, listen, I want to be direct here. I don't think you're supposed to step in and buy the stock here. This was a very disappointing quarter, and there's very little in the way of a catalyst to look for in the near term. I don't think it goes down from here, but I think this is very much going to be like Disney over the past seven months. It's just going to be in a consolidation phase. For me personally, this is a below average size position in my portfolio and i'll tell you i'm actually thinking this may be something i'm trimming if you're asking why not today because i don't think the enterprise is worth seven percent less today just because of one quarter's lousy earnings or one quarter's lousy guidance so i would wait for a little bit of a recovery from an oversold condition today but you're not hearing me pound the table on this
1: yeah no for sure um i've got you by the way at aicm that's that's the new uh... Acronym for your uh, for your firm. That's all in capital management. So we're gonna we're gonna go with that. I like Pete, that, <laughs> Pete. Like uh, that. You see activity in Starbucks.
2: Yeah, there's a little bit of activity, Scott. When the stock was getting hammered pretty pretty far down there, it was trading right around 104. They were actually reaching out and buying the November 107 calls. So about 4,000 of those trading. I will say this not as much activity as you might expect on a day where the stock is getting you know basically punished to the downside 678 percent to the downside usually we would see a lot more uh, activity whether that means they're going to be starting to accelerate and buy more puts because they're more concerned about that downside or looking for an oversold and and looking for the upside we just aren't seeing a whole lot other than what i'm seeing here which is november looking for a little bit of a turn not a huge sharp turn but at least some turn with the 107 calls with the stock at 104. i'll tell you what I still wonder about you know, the, the growth factors for this company right now, given the fact of the backdrop, what's going on in China, as well as here, labor shortage, all the things that we all know. I'm still not as big a fan as a, lo- a lot of folks. Just because I look at that PE level, it still feels very, very stretched to me right now.
1: Kerry, you know, it's interesting. You're willing to give Amazon the benefit of the doubt, if you will, when it comes to a big investment that that company is making into its future, but not so much with Starbucks which admits it's an investment year, and you may not get the reward for another full calendar year plus. Why the willingness to give the benefit of the doubt one place and not the other?
3: I'm glad you've asked me that question, Scott, because I've got the answer prepared. The investment in Amazon's case has lots to do with technology, infrastructure, many things other than human capital. And in Starbucks case, it is purely about people, even though they're paying $17 an hour or or whatever the, the rate has been at Starbucks at the top of their competitors. They have to pay more. That's the only thing they really talked about investing in on the call. And Amazon is investing across many different areas, including human capital and and labor. So I think there's a big difference between the two. And I understand why the market has differentiated.
1: Energy, best performing sector of the month. Big oil stocks reporting strong numbers today as well. We're going to get the trades, Exxon, Chevron, some of the others that our committee owns. We'll do it right after this break. All right, let's talk some earnings. There's Chevron and Exxon. Uh, Exxon, strongest earnings since 2017, Pete. Chevron, the highest profit in eight years. Interesting. You dumped your Exxon calls.
2: I did. As a matter of fact, I've actually trimmed up a lot on the energy front, Scott, not for any negative reasons. It just slowed down in terms of the 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 options themselves just aren't as much there as they were they were absolutely dominating for many many months going back about ten eleven months and then it completely dried up but i will say this the chevron number was absolutely extraordinary when you look at that free cash flow and the revenue growth of eighty percent that's a monstrous number that they put up and they had an unbelievable quarter as you just mentioned exxon also really strong but i've pivoted a lot myself uh, over towards the the ev space Everything I'm seeing these days seems to be somewhere in the electronic vehicles, whether that means it's Tesla, and it's not just Tesla, it's Neo, it's QuantumScape, it's all these various names that we talk about, X-Ping. They just continue to hit day after day after day. Neo, Lucid. Lucid's another one. That's been an absolute rip-roaring home run as it continues to run to the upside and has had nothing but option activity in all of those various names. It really has dominated. It feels a lot like we felt with energy for a while. I don't know how long this will last. But I flipped out of a lot of different positions in the energy space, moved over to the EV space. You
1: you didn't mention Nikola. You're trading options in that, too?
2: i am i actually bought some of those options today yes scott every one of these names seems to hit on a daily basis and multiple times during the day lucid being by far the most aggressive but they're all very interesting to see all these different various various spots whether it's batteries themselves or the EV, the 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 car makers it's everything within that space that's been very very aggressively bought in terms of the options looking for upside
1: Yeah, man that stocks down forty one percent over a year all right um Shan, what's your view on energy? As we said, best performing sector of the year. Pete realizes his, you know, his exposure is a little too big, needs to pare it back. What's your current view?
4: Yeah, we've been light, Scott, and for a while. We used to own um, the integrateds, both Exxon and Chevron. Um, and we've really trimmed up and actually we've taken our bets more on the e space, you know, in names like Valero because we feel like there's some additional juice there and so that probably persists a little bit longer but I I do think energy prices are going to start to stabilize here so if you are overweight like Pete's been like some other members of the committee have been um, you know I think it probably does make some sense to take some profits here with some of these good earnings that we're going to see this quarter.
1: All in Capital's got a couple of uh, interesting positions. Marathon Petroleum, (laughs) Marathon Oil, they're reporting next week along with Conoco and, and BP.
5: I, listen, I, I hear what Shannon just said. Shannon knows. I love and respect her. Um, I disagree. I don't think you're supposed to trim here. I will note that the market for energy stocks, traditional energy stocks, it seems really jittery. Okay, It seems like people are quick on the trigger to sell. You had great quarters from Exxon, Chevron, Phillips 66, and yet all of them are off of their intraday highs. People are taking profits, but here's the end of the sto- end of the day story. You've got a huge supply-demand mismatch that's going to last well into next summer. So I think you've got two more quarters coming of good share price performance and you just got to buckle your seatbelt if you're overweight like I am and get through the jitters.
1: All right, we have more trades coming up. Pete has unusual activity and we'll do that right after the break. The S&P above 4600 for the first time ever and it is still holding above that key level. Pete, Friday Unusual, what do you got?
2: Yeah, I'm going to start off with Walmart. I know that doesn't sound all that exciting, but in the past, this, this is a stock when we've seen unusual activity, the stock has really rocketed. And so I'm looking for that potentially again. Stock was trading about 148.5, Scott. They were buying the November 12th, expiring 155 calls. And when I say buying... 15,000 of those were bought, so looking for a pretty nice move in front of earnings. Earnings are not till the 16th, but waiting to see what this stock can do over the next couple of weeks, it should be pretty interesting. Those options were about 27 cents, went up to about 36 cents, so fairly inexpensive. Looking for a nice, solid move out of Walmart in the very short term, so just a couple of weeks. Secondly, this is a name, Snap. That's been absolutely just hammered and put out to the woodshed, as everybody likes to talk about. But this is a stock trading right around 52.50. They finally are starting to see a little bit of activity, looking for maybe a little bit of a bounce here. December third expiring, the 58 calls. A buyer of 7,500 of those calls, about a buck 30 is what they were paying for those calls. They did spread that off. We're not worried about that. But they were selling the 70 strike calls against that just to get that price down a little bit and capping out the upside. But still, very interesting to see finally a little bit of activity there. And a quick update for you, Skechers. Now, this has been a stock that's been all over the map already today. But that, this is also a stock that in the last week or two, we had this for unusual option activity. They were buying November 46 calls, November 49 calls. They came through today. Stocks spiked very nicely after earnings. Stock was trading over 50. If you have to be quick, but you also have to keep an eye on anything that's going on. The stock was over 50 earlier. Now it's pulled back significantly. But Skechers with a really nice performance, at least in terms of the earnings and the reaction for those earnings. We'll see how that goes. But that was a nice stock that made a really, really nice, sharp move into these earnings.
1: Man, Pete, I'm, I'm looking at one other stock this week that got absolutely yeah. smoked. And Kerry Firestone is buying more. On the dip.
3: I'll
1: tell you about it next.
3: Yeah.
1: All right, Carrie, I mentioned the stock that you were buying more of. uh, It got obliterated this week. That's Twilio. Why did you decide you've seen enough?
3: Well, Twilio was down, just smashed yesterday after they reported that earnings. Uh, Mm -hmm. The peak of the, the stock was around 450 283 now this is a company that is the leader in the communication platform whereby you get notifications for everything from airline trips to restaurants hospital visits your dentist getting your hair styled whatever it is It's twilio uber uh, etc is on their platform that is that market it's a hundred billion dollar addressable market so they missed guidance that the market expected it took the stock down we think this is the opportunity to buy it. That's how we bought Twilio in the past. Every time it's been down, it's down now 37%. It's going to be a fantastic grower over the next 10 years, and we can point to where that growth is coming from. It just makes sense to add to the position. That's what we've done in, in the past, and so that's what we're doing right now.
1: You also added to Booz Allen and Health Equity. Can you just be real quick on, on one of those, why you decided to do that? Because I want to jump on to something else when you're done.
3: Yeah, Booz Allen, it's a contractor for defense companies, and their book to bill is growing. They've got a lot in reserve. They just didn't show it in this quarter, but they will over the next couple of years.
1: The thing I wanted to jump to, I just noticed uh, someone flagged these tweets from Bill Ackman uh, for me. I think it's interesting relative to what we told you earlier about the S&P 500 at 4,600 for the first time ever, and both the S&P and the Nasdaq hitting new highs today. He says, and it's a bit of a threat, he says, I gave a presentation to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York last week to share our views on inflation and the Fed. Bottom line, we think the Fed should taper immediately and begin raising rates as soon as possible. He also says we're continuing to dance while the music is playing, and it is time to turn down the music and settle down. As we have previously disclosed, we have put our money where our mouth is and hedging our exposure to an upward move in rates, as we believe that a rise in rates could negatively impact our long-only equity portfolio. So, Farmer Jim, right? You've been, and I joke with you all the time, Mr. All-In, you've been the most bullish person, I think, consistently uh, on our show. Now you have somebody like Mr. Ackman saying, okay, we're dancing because the music's playing, but turn it down because this is going to get out of hand if you let it play too long.
5: And kind of reminiscent of what uh, Dave Tepper said earlier this week as well, which I would characterize, and I think I heard it in what you said about Bill Ackman, that people are holding their nose and buying the market. Look, I'm not unaware of the risks, but when you're this late in a year where you're up almost 20% on the S&P 500, the last two years of the months tend to be gangbusters, and I'm pretty sure that's what you're going to have, particularly as infrastructure comes. And if you see the slightest whiff of supply chain bottlenecks easing, this market's going to roar. But it's not forever. Scott, I won't be all in forever. The next two, three months, likely to be all in. We're likely to continue to have the conversation, but not forever. And you know what? As far as the Fed tapering immediately, they're meeting, what, next week or two weeks from now? They're probably going to announce the taper then. I think that's as immediate as it can
1: get. I mean, look, we had Paul Tudor Jones within the last two weeks talking about his fears of inflation, you know, the the Fed policy. Uh, He didn't use the word dangerous in terms of um, he basically called it the worst policy of his lifetime. Uh, in terms of the Fed, the current <laughs> Fed policy, suggesting that they, they too um, should move on their rates as well. But Shannon, real quick from you, I mean, should we be more hedged than perhaps we are as investors to a upward move in rates like Bill Ackman is talking about today?
4: I think there's little proof that the, you know, sustainability of a rate increase can get us to something that's prohibitive from an economic perspective. We're looking at not even 2 percent yet. I mean, you know, if we're talking about 2 percent derailing the global economy and the U.S. economy in particular, we have a lot of other problems. And so I think that we need to see something that's much higher than that. And I think that companies are, are prepared for those modestly higher rates. And I think that's where we need to be thinking about it.
1: All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll do final trades next. I want to show you the markets again. There's the uh, S&P pretty much at 4,600. It's a new record high. It did hit that level just a short time ago, and it has been trading a few points above that milestone, perhaps helped by a comeback in Apple as well today. That stock was down. It's basically at the highs of the day as well. One forty-nine fifty-one is the high of the session for Apple, so we're just slightly below that level let's do final trades carry you first
3: waste connection it's in the trash business and they have pricing in their contracts plus with reopening continuing
4: more volumes
1: okay good stuff uh shannon
4: abby strong earnings biotech with great cash flows and a good yield
1: all right pete nigerian
2: I'm going to go with uranium. I'm going to give you chemico, CCJ, Scott.
1: All right. The CEO of uh, All In Capital. What do you have?
5: <laughs> CVS <laughs> reports next week it has 20 quarters of unblemished beats on earnings.
1: All right. Uh, fun stuff today, guys. You all have a great weekend. You as well. Thanks for watching. The exchange starts right now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC.